Leadership File on Premiere. Welcome to The Leadership File, the show that helps you lead where God has placed you. I'm Andy Peck. What role should the church have in tackling social justice? Is this just the work of protesting bodies or charities that are at the forefront of these concerns? Or should we as Christians and churches be more engaged with these issues at a political level? It's a key issue, and in times of austerity in the United Kingdom, this impacts on those suffering in the UK and overseas, and it's exercising the consciences of many. Well, I'm joined this week by David Muir, who works for Christian Aid. Many of you will know of Christian Aid, particularly in the Anglican Church. It raises nearly £100 million a year in voluntary income and is ranked 12th in UK charities, being the highest Christian charity listed. Dave is Kent Regional Coordinator, South East Region, and has been doing research into the theology that underpins Christian Aid's campaigning and advocacy work. So, David, lovely to have you back, indeed, uh, to the leadership file. Thank you, Andy. Good to see you. So, so many will know Christian Aid as an international development agency, but it also has a rich history of being involved in political campaigns too. Yes, indeed. As you say, Christian Aid uh, is an international development agency that responds to issues of extreme poverty and emergencies right around the world. However, we've learned that charity itself is never going to end extreme poverty. If we're ever going to achieve that, we must get to the root causes of poverty. And over its 70-plus year history, Christian Aid's been involved in and provided leadership to campaigns that have tried to do just that. For example, back in the 60s, we supported the American Civil Rights Movement and met with Martin Luther, uh, Martin Luther King when he visited okay. London in 1964 on his way to Oslo to get his Nobel Peace Prize. Hmm. In the 70s and 80s, we supported the anti-apartheid movement. We helped form the Southern Africa Coalition, which was one of the first occasions UK NGOs came together to tackle global injustice. We were core members of the Jubilee 2000 Drop the Debt campaign in the 90s. Now that delivered over $100 billion in debt relief to 35 of the most indebted and poorest countries. And then probably many people will still remember Make Poverty History in 2005. And that was a campaign that we helped to lead. Over the past 10 years, we've been ca campaigning on two things, climate change. We were one of the first aid agencies to speak about the effects that that has on poor countries. And we also campaign on corporate tax evasion that costs poor countries an estimated £220 billion in lost revenues uh, each year. These are massive figures, of course, that I've just mentioned. And they dwar uh, dwarf the kind of aid budget that the world provides poor countries each year. So if we're going to really change uh, extreme poverty, stop extreme poverty, we need to deal with this, these systemic problems in our world. And you mentioned the corporate tax thing. Um, so is this countries that are in developing countries and not paying the taxes they should um, in those countries they're evading it Is so what what happens the big sort of transnational corporations uh, will work in developing countries they're often what we call extractive industries in mining and things like that and they find uh, 
what shall I say, creative accountancy ways to enable them not to pay their taxes on the profits that they make as a result of working in poor countries. This is a huge issue. Um, And uh, if we could stop that from happening, get them to pay the taxes that they owe, uh, we wouldn't need an uh, international aid budget because it's well over twice... Right. The amount that the world spends on international. Well, that is fascinating. I had, I didn't know because obviously there's been use issues in the UK of corporations not paying tax locally. Cause it, yeah, yeah. But, but this is international as well. International, it's been going on for a mm. very long time. It's it's an international problem which makes it very okay. difficult to tackle. But there are a lot of people interested in this issue. Uh, not only the tax problems in our country with, you know, Amazon, Google, Starbucks, we all mm. know that, but the problems that it causes in poor countries. Okay, thank you. Uh, and you're looking at the, how the theology that underpins Christian Aid's campaigning and advocacy work, um, you know, how that kind of comes together and asking your supporters and others about campaigning. So what have you been finding? What's been the kind of upshot of your yeah. investigations? What's been really interesting to me is that since the global economic crash about 10 years ago, Many more churches have been reaching out to those in difficulty in their local communities. You know, things like food banks and uh, debt counselling, winter night shelters. Almost every church that I visit is involved in those kind of initiatives. And I think that experience of reaching out to those in their communities that are in need is helping kind of reshape some of their theology, the theology of mission and what the church is there to do and raising the importance of tackling social need and injustice. Now, by extending that experience you know, to a global context, we've had some really interesting uh, conversation, uh, conversations about the work that Christian Aid does. Among Christian Aid supporters, of course, I've had many conversations with them around this issue of campaigning and advocacy. They, they really get, get it theologically. Mm-hmm. Among those who don't necessarily support Christian Aid, there are mixed feelings Um, although I think most if not all that I've spoken to have done some kind of you know campaigning perhaps signed a petition or sent an email about a cause that uh, they felt strongly about and I think there are many church leaders who recognize campaigning and advocacy as maybe something that they should consider but perhaps they seldom get around to doing it or talking about it in their churches because of all the other pressures and expectations they have to deal with. But certainly I'd say that I found a leader's understanding of church and what its mission is, is very likely to be a a major influence on how they view campaigning. Okay. Uh, And anything especially surprised you? Yeah, there there was one thing that particularly surprised me uh, right across the board in that many of those that have done a bit of campaigning didn't always connect it to their faith. Uh, They may have mentioned something like, you know, being committed to the dignity of all human beings or, you know, equality for all, which of course are really important. But I feel, I feel being a Christian gives us such a wonderful basis on which to bring about a just and fair world that we should keep, you know, our Christian theology is central to why we want to campaign. 
Sure. Well, let's let's unpack that a little bit more. Because um, you see the work to ease poverty and work for justice as part of the church's mandate and, and part of the gospel. Uh, and I have to say that, you know, not all Christians do, of course. Um, so how do you, ju- what, what's your kind of biblical parameters for saying that kind of thing? Well, well, that's a... Uh, no, no, that's, that's a big question. But <laughs> it's just, a question that just, deserves its own programme. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, but, <laughs> but just hint at, hint but, at something. But here are a few thoughts, sure. Yeah, yeah that's a really good question. Um, so first of all, I'd say... I think we could say the overarching thrust of the biblical story is moving us toward, you know, new creation. It moves us from the world in Genesis that's spoilt by human sin to the renewed heaven and earth that we find in Revelation, where there's, you know, no more death, mourning, crying or pain. And of extreme importance to that truth is that in the end, heaven comes to earth the home God made for humanity to live. We don't actually go to heaven. So what we do here on earth is really important. And in between that beginning and the end, we have that unfolding story of God and humanity kind of working together as we go along that that, 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 that path to new creation. And we see in the law, in the Psalms, in the prophets, God continually highlighting his great love and concern for the poor and the oppressed. And some of his sharpest words in scripture are reserved for those who are in positions of power, who perpetrate injustice or do little to to help those in need. And then we come to Jesus. And he announces his agenda for his ministry in Luke 4 with that that passage we all know really well the spirit of the Lord is on me to speak good news to the poor and I'm fascinated that he specifically picked those words and ideas from Isaiah and also further back in Leviticus which are about the year of Jubilee I would describe that as God's great social reform program for the people of Israel and it's a vision as well that we could say points us to to new creation when he mentioned those words it's important to note that the social and political backdrop of first century israel in which jesus was speaking was to a people who had been impoverished and oppressed by the romans and ruling jewish elite you know the jewish historian josephus who many of us will have heard about wrote that king herod alone had reduced the entire country to helpless poverty So it's no surprise when Jesus announces that, that people got extremely excited because they could hear the Jubilee message of good news to the poor. And they understood that the Messiah was the one to come and do just that. And then Jesus spends a majority of his ministry with the poor and sick and needy, challenging those with wealth and power. And then the early church following Jesus's footsteps, praying for the sick, redistributing uh, possessions and teaching biblical values in dealing with the poor and the rich within their own community. So just a few ideas. I could obviously waffle on for no. great many, <laughs> many hours. No, thank you. Just a few seed ideas. No, splendid. Uh, and just you mentioned in passing, and I just to clarify, you said we don't go to heaven. Well, you, well, I guess what you meant is that it's not we don't disappear from here to some sort of spiritual existence somewhere, but actually there's a new heaven and new earth to which we go. Absolutely. Yeah. And, 
And that is a really important theology, mm. I think, because we can sometimes be fooled into thinking, well, I'm getting out of here. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. go to some disembodied heaven and I'm going to be fine. Sure. But actually, uh, heaven comes to earth and yeah. there is no longer that dividing line. Mm. Heaven and earth coexist. And we're kind of working toward that. Yeah. There's, a, there's this incredible synergy between the divine and the human in bringing that about and in going toward that mm. and making that something that you know one day ultimately god of course can only bring that about but it will happen there's some sort of continuity between this world and this we don't quite understand it fully but absolutely yeah but, it's uh, a, it's a mystery but it's yeah. an incredibly exciting one yeah. that we can be involved in wonderful well you're listening to leadership fight with me andy peck i'm joined by david muir uh, dave works for christian aid uh, regional coordinator of the southeast region we'll be back uh, just after this Welcome back to Leadership Fire with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by uh, David Muir. Dave works for Christian Aid. He's Kent Regional Coordinator of the South East Region. We're talking before the break about uh, Christian Aid's concern for, as an international development agency, not just to, to care for the poor, but also to um, engage uh, with, with some of the political issues so that we um, uh, don't just alleviate those who are suffering, but also prevent the suffering ever happening in the first place. Uh, we were talking a little bit about some of Dave's uh, research into the theology that underpins Christian Aid's uh, campaigning and advocacy work. Um, so we, we thank you for that. Uh, before the break, David, that kind of very helpful potted kind of overview of the Bible and, and its kind of underpinning of, of your work. And, and clearly you believe, therefore, the church has a prophetic role. So how do you think that's going to be exercised? Yeah, um, I think I've already mentioned some of the instances hmm. of Jesus's prophetic ministry that speak to issues of uh, poverty and injustice and you know scripture is rich with other examples you know Moses for example who spoke to Pharaoh let my people go and then Esther who you know spoke to her husband on behalf of the people of Israel um, and both provide excellent examples of what we call speaking truth to power which I believe is a core part of what it mm. means to be prophetic. And through church history too, we find uh, church and individual Christians being amazing advocates on the behalf of the poor. We all know about William Wilberforce. He's a, he's a favorite of us all. We know what he did. You know, just 20 minutes from where I live, there is a place called the Wilberforce Oak where he sat down and prayed and made his decision to take up in the House of Commons, the campaign to abolish the slave trade, and you know we we celebrate that. That's a, that's a, was an amazing thing that led to so much uh, injustice being uh, tackled. And there are many others. Example one that I like to talk about is William Carey, mm. uh, because he's best known as the father of modern missions. Mm. We know him as an amazing missionary, an amazing evangelist, but we don't know him so well as a remarkable social reformer when uh, in India where he spent a lot of his time he campaigned to stop many uh, social injustices and what these and many others show is to be truly prophetic is to change our world for good by being brave enough to speak to those who hold power be they politicians or business leaders you know challenging them about what's uh, right uh, and wrong. So being prophetic is not only about edifying the church, as we find in 1 Corinthians, of course, but it's also about speaking to the world 
on behalf of God. As Proverbs 31 famously says, speak out for those who cannot speak, for the rights of all the destitute. Speak out, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Amen. Thank you. Um, now, I note that the Institute for Public Policy Research is engaging in a two-year research project on the economy, which involves uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby. Uh, and he seems to have already decided, stating that the economic system is broken <laughs> and we need a public debate about how the role of banks and corporations fit into things. He said, the foundations of our economy need to be rethought and the rules of the economy need to be rewritten. We need big, bold and ambitious change rethinking by half just won't do it so assuming he was correctly quoted in the bit that i was reading it seems he might be on the board with the prophetic role uh, of the church well absolutely what what huge uh, <laughs> questions and what a huge answer uh, hmm. justin welby uh, gave and i i would certainly agree with him and i think hmm. i think christian aid would uh, too um and both our current main campaigns on climate change and taxation are speaking to that need to change the way the mm. world works uh, economically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry. Sorry, carry on, yeah. Uh, we were talking about international uh, mm. taxation and that, that in incredible uh, injustice whereby uh, poor countries are being, um, having their, their, their rightful tax taken away from them. And we, and we should remember what, what, what tax pays for, you know, tax pays for health care and pensions and education and so many of the things that people really rely on and this injustice within our tax system around the world you know this injustice really is a life and death issue yeah. so there's there, there's one issue within the way that the world works economically that really needs to be tackled yeah um i liked the quote desmond tutu famously said there comes a point where we need to stop just pulling people out the river we need to go upstream and find out why they're falling in. Uh, so I guess he was arguing we need to get involved in political life to affect the laws, as you quoted Wilberforce did. Absolutely, yeah, I think that's a great picture, and I absolutely think that is what we need to be doing. You know, Tutu also said, when people say the Bible and politics don't mix, I ask them, which Bible are you reading? <laughs> of course, he didn't really mean party politics. No although it's great when Christians can get involved in party mm. politics if that's where their interest is. What Tutu is talking about is the use and abuse of power, which, of course, was something he saw a great deal of during the apartheid era uh, in South Africa. And just as he and a great many churches and Christians did in South Africa during that time, we, the church, must get involved in tackling you know, things like racism and corruption and oppression and slavery and inequality and the other social injustices that really are the root causes of poverty. Mm. Now, of course, there'll be people listening who who are maybe a bit nervous about all this. You know, they think, well, you know, I go to church, I think about the world to come, um, you know, I, I do my worship. I don't really want to get into the grubby stuff that you're talking about because uh, not everyone likes it. Um, any thoughts on that kind of attitude which you must hear I'm sure oh yes of course absolutely and I can quite understand why people would be reticent to sort of think and get involved in this in this idea of campaigning and advocacy you know people as you said may not think that that's what their faith is about they 
may not think that's what the Bible teaches. And they may well think, well, that's not going to get people saved and going to heaven. You know, I understand some people don't get that. Church is not only about great worship or powerful prayer meetings or bringing people in. Those things are wonderful, of course. But the church that Jesus founded is essentially here to bring the kingdom of God to earth. His message was the gospel of the kingdom. And that was the mission of Jesus. And really, the mission of the church is the mission of Jesus. Yeah, sure. So just uh, as we as we come to a close, um, David, knowing what you do about these issues, okay, and I'm getting, uh, this is a big question. What would be your dream for Christian Aid in the church in the UK? What would you love to see if you were, um, you know, able to have a spiritual magic wand, shall we say? <laughs> well, yes, thank you for that. <laughs> wow, what a... What a question. Well, I think my dream would be for the church to really find its prophetic voice to the world and and to speak as one to say the appalling injustice uh, of extreme poverty in a world of plenty must stop. Inequality must cease. All people are made in the image of God and deserve dignity and respect. I'd, I'd love many more church leaders and churches to join Christian Aid campaigns or similar campaigns so that thousands more of us can say together listen up you leaders of the world, the spirit of the Lord is on us and we've got good news for the poor. Wonderful yeah, good and, and your work is you say, I, I, I haven't described really your role uh, as Kent Regional Director but your uh, your role is, is to church, travel around churches sharing them, some of this message, Absolutely, uh, encouraging volunteers who are raising money etc that's absolutely right I, I get to go around the county of Kent uh, talking in churches meeting with uh, our supporters and church leaders talking about the work we do not only about campaigning but also about our amazing development projects and just just helping them in many ways to help us and support us with their prayers and their giving and also you know trying to have these conversations about what are we here to do as Christians in the church and how long have you been doing that? Yeah, I've been in Christian Aid for over thirteen years, Andy. Well, <laughs> and K- Kent, obviously, it's you know, it, it, it's the the whole county of Kent. So you yep. travel. Yep, the whole county of Kent. The men and of I, Kent and Kentish man, or whatever. Yes, it's called. I've never known the difference between exactly. those two things, but uh, I'm sure somebody will tell me. Yeah. Um, and I work with my colleagues working in other uh, counties as well in my my southeast team. Wonderful. Well, it's been great to have you on the show. So thank, thank you, you so much, and thank you for shedding light on this key area of um, you know the the way in which we need to be seen as a prophetic voice into the uh, places of power. So thank you. Thank you. So you've been listening to the Leadership Fund. Me, Andy Peck. I was joined this week by David Muir. Uh, David, as I've hinted, is the Kent Regional Director, Southeast Region for Christian Aid. Uh, Christian Aid, of course, uh, raises 100 million a year in voluntary income ranked 12th in UK charities being the highest Christian charity listed so um, it has a great influence and uh, the kind of thinking and work that David does uh, really does uh, often uh, impact those who are decision makers within uh, Parliament and uh, and help to shape uh, economic policy to some degree anyway uh, within the UK so um, thanks to David and uh, and all that Christian Aid does Uh, thank you for listening do um, log on to Premier's own website and you can listen to archive versions of uh, the Leadership File by going there. Uh, they last about a month up there and then they uh, at the same time most of them go to uh, iTunes 
so you can go to iTunes and you can uh, type in leadership file and you can listen uh, on whatever listening device you use and get a regular uh, uh, iTunes uh, podcast of the leadership file so you can uh, can do that and then you never need to miss a show if you happen to be out and about on a Sunday at 3.30. So I look forward to your company again. Uh, thank you for joining us and God bless. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk. Thank you.